Hi, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com. Just a quick thank you to the sponsor for today's podcast, Vital Proteins Collagen Supplements. Vital Proteins have pasture-raised, grass-fed organic collagen and gelatin products that are made from all natural, high-quality, sustainably sourced pasture cows. So these cows live on a grassland. They're not uh, contained. They're not constrained. They, um, they're not given hormones or steroids or antibiotics and they eat their natural diet of grass. They have lots of open space and sunshine and you can really tell in the quality of the gelatin and collagen products that they offer. And if you're interested in finding out about their gelatin, go to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash gelatin. And you can find out all about vital proteins there. Also some random facts for your day. Did you know that some store-bought ranch dressings contain titanium dioxide, the same ingredient used in sunscreens and paints to make them more white and chalky, and that's exactly what it's used for in ranch dressing. (laughs) Additionally, chocolate was once used as a currency. Maybe we should go back to that. The oldest soup recipe is from 6000 BC and calls for hippopotamus and sparrow meats. And lastly, castorium is used as a vanilla flavor in some processed baked goods. And this is actually a secretion from the anal glands of beavers. Pretty disgusting. So today's guest and I are gonna be talking about real food and how to actually effectively make the transition to real and organic foods. My guest is Kelly. Uh, She's known as the Kitchen Cop online, and she had a huge food transformation in 2004 after a long history with processed convenience food. And she became a Weston A. Price chapter leader and researched her way into a traditional real food diet. She has an online class called Real Food for Rookies, where she helps people to make that jump more easily and has recently written a book by the same name, Real Food for Rookies. And she lives in Michigan with her husband of 27 years and her four kids, although her oldest is now in college and not living with them. And I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Kelly and I are, are friends in real life, and I had a great time chatting with her in this conversation. So without further ado, Kelly, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Katie. I always love talking to you. I, this is going to be so fun because we have so much fun talking in real life, and I love that we can just um, we can just talk about real food and let everyone listen today. I know. Um, that'll be fun. So to start, can you just talk about how you got into real food in the first place and what your journey was like? Sure. So about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, actually, I was pretty much eating just crap foods. And I I thought things like Hamburger Helper was cooking homemade. And, you know, we went out and ate fast food a lot. And I thought that was normal. I guess it is kind of normal. And my weight started to creep up for really the first time in my entire life. I started to think, oh, you know, I better do something about this. So I looked into the South Beach diet and kind of got into that, you know, extensively and was really into it and excited about it and seeing good results. But then I happened to mention to a friend of mine uh, what I was doing. And and she, because she's not a bulldozer like I am and um, super like over the top opinionated, she just was real gentle and just said, you know, there's probably a lot of good in that diet. But have you ever looked into the Weston Price Foundation? And I said, no, I've never heard of them. So that next morning, it was a Saturday morning. I'll remember, it's one of those things where you'll always know like where you were sitting. And um, I got on the website and I was on there for a couple of solid hours, just completely floored by everything I was learning and realizing what I had been doing to my family by feeding them all that crap and how I wanted to change things. And I really had what I now call like my food conversion because it was an overnight flip 
I just changed everything. And my poor family never knew what hit them. <laughs> they, um, my husband was totally cool with it because he grew up on a farm and was used to real food and, you know, whole foods. But the kids, you know, I tried to switch out. I basically just tried to adapt what we were doing to healthier versions and add in lots of superfoods. And it did not always go well. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had the same experience. I learned as my kids were growing up and uh, definitely my older one, especially because he was the one that could really, he had eaten some of the, like the baby cereal and the foods the doctor recommended. And yes. so he was the one that was like really resistant at first. Um, but I feel like they do come around. Did your kids eventually come around? Well, it was hard because I started when my oldest was, well, like, you know, just turning into a teenager, you know, so he was like 12 or 13. So that's a long time for a kid to eat breakfast cereals and fast food and all sorts of junk. And then all of a sudden to have it yanked out from under him, you know, so it took a little bit for him to come around. And now he's on his own. And it's kind of cool because he re- I don't think he eats out a whole lot. And I he doesn't cook a lot. But what he does cook is pretty much whole foods. And it's not perfect for sure. He, he may have breakfast cereal there. Who knows? He lives in Florida. So I um, I can't exactly, you know, check his cupboards. Not that I would anyway, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, he he it was a long time for him to come around. The other kids, because they were younger, it's been a lot easier. And they still sometimes will complain, you know, because they'll see their friends having some junk that we don't necessarily have. But for the most part, they really don't complain a whole lot because we have versions of the junk that is so much better than the other stuff. Like last night, we got a bunch of strawberries um, at the farmer's market. And we made this recipe I I have on my site called like it's called strawberries in a cloud or berries in a cloud or whatever and it's basically just whipped cream with a little bit of sugar and you know berries all stirred up in the juice and it is so good so you know they eat they still get treats now and then but they're just real food versions so it's been a lot easier for our younger kids yeah that's awesome and yeah I've seen that recipe I'm gonna make sure I link to it in the show notes because it looks awesome Oh, it's so good. And I have leftovers in the fridge. I can't wait to have some. (laughs) Nice. So I'm always curious, why the name Kelly the Kitchen Cop? Where did that come from? Well, you know, when I, after I'd been eating this way for a few years, you probably had the same experience. I got to the point where, you know, because I couldn't quit, you can't quit talking about something that you're excited about. So I would talk about all this stuff with my friends. And then eventually people would be asking me questions about all the stuff I was learning. And then someone said to me, you should start a blog. And at first I thought that was a really dumb idea um, because, you know, I never, it had never crossed my mind. But then I thought, you know, it might be kind of nice to have one place to send people who, because eventually you get the same questions over and over. And so people would, you know, ask me the same questions and I could just say, well, check out this blog post that I wrote about it. And so I knew I needed to figure out a name and, you know, I just had some friends. I just asked a whole bunch of friends for ideas, and someone came up with this. And I thought it sounded really stupid, but I had a one of my girlfriends said, "Well, it is kind of stupid, but would you rather have something boring that nobody remembers, or something that's kind of dumb that it sticks in people's brains?" So that's how I ended up doing. The only thing about my about my blog name, Kelly the Kitchen Cap, is that I tell people, please don't abbreviate it with three Ks. <laughs> 
Like if you're going to abbreviate it, just use two Ks. <laughs> gotcha. Well, so you mentioned that you originally started your journey into real food because you were wanting to like lose a little bit of weight yourself. But yes. what other changes did you guys see in your family and your husband and your kids when you made the switch? Well, probably the biggest thing, even more than the weight issue, because it had already kind of started to resolve because I learned, you know, just kind of watch my carbs and that kind of thing. Um, even more than that was our second oldest um, boy. He had really tough behavior issues. And of course, I had no idea they were related to food. And it's it's just one of these things that you want to help people who you see with their kids that are crazy. You want to just be able to tell them, like, there's, there's hope. You can fix this. You don't need medication. Because the change in him was dramatic. We had so much trouble with him, like, getting him to go to sleep at night and helping him to learn. And, you know, in his, when he, especially when he was a toddler, he would throw these monster fits, you know. And once I switched the food out, and probably a lot of it is the artificial colors and flavors and the chemical preservatives, who knows specifically what it was, but the change was dramatic. He became so sweet. And even now as a teenager, he's a really good kid. That's great. So on a practical level, what were some of the switches that you made? What kind of foods did you stop eating and what kind of things did you add in? Well, I, I pretty much cleared out our pantry and fridge and replaced everything with better versions. Uh, some things I would have to be real careful about how I did it. And I talk about this in the book a little bit too, where like with syrup, you know, we were eating that really disgusting, like Aunt Jemima kind of stuff where you can't even you know, read all the ingredients on their super long, nasty label. And we switched to real maple syrup, which has one ingredient, maple syrup. And, but to do that, there was quite a taste difference because at the time I didn't know there were different grades of maple syrup. And the only one I got my hands on was the little bit stronger kind of grade. So there was quite a taste difference between, you know, the crappy high fructose corn syrup stuff and the real stuff. So what I did was I would just kind of slowly add a little bit of the real stuff into the bad stuff and kind of wean them slowly until we were pretty much totally off the bad stuff and all they had was the maple syrup and they didn't know any different. And I really did the same thing with peanut butter because back then peanut butter was not like the organic peanut butter is now where it's all creamy and super easy to use and spread. Back then it was, you know, you could hardly get a knife in it, you know? <laughs> so I had to kind of play around with that a little bit too. And I had to be real careful about how I introduced some things because some things I would try and it'd be a complete bomb and I'd be all depressed. I'm like, oh, I'm terrible cook. I can't make this work. And I had a lot of food flops. I still have food flops now and then, but I had a lot more back then. But I pretty much went through my whole pantry and switched everything out. And that's one thing about my new book is I wish I had something like this then because the whole first chapter has a list of, you know, instead of buying this, buy this. And it tells why. And it makes it pretty easy to, you know, go through and make better choices. Yeah, I love that you mentioned your book because I just got through reading it and it's very practical. I thought it was so helpful, especially for someone who's just starting out. It really is just like a quick start guide of everything they would need to know. Um, and I feel like a big point that you make that's so important is that especially now with all the new healthier foods and healthier versions that we have, you don't really have to give anything up. You just get to find better, more tasty, healthier versions of it. And so I feel like, especially now, like that switch doesn't have to be difficult at all. And that's a lot of what your book is about. So can you walk us through some of the core changes to real food that you talk about in the book and this, the core switches and the principles of real food that you mentioned? Sure. Um, well, there's this one section too that um, I try to make it real simple and I sort of did like um, – 
top 10 lists in pictures and I did the top 10 list of things that we got rid of and then the top 10 list of things that we added because there's so much more to just getting rid of the junk because you know you can get rid of you know, the bad things and even try to replace them with versions that are a little bit better. But that does not always mean that you're feeding your family nutrient-dense foods. You know, um, so say you, instead of buying, you know, crackers that have like a super long ingredient list of stuff you can't pronounce, and instead you switch over to maybe organic crackers, that's going to be better because you're avoiding some, you know, preservatives or trans fats and some of those bad ingredients, but you're not necessarily nourishing your family. You know, you could, instead you could maybe get some sourdough crackers or make your own even better. And then you're going to have some nutrients in there. And same thing with, um, a lot of other foods, you know, you can't, you can't just get rid of the bad stuff. You sometimes, um, well, one thing that we did was we added in cod liver oil and that was tricky to get the kids into that, (laughs) but it can be done. And even myself, it was hard to get myself to be able to take it because I'm, I can gag so easily, but now I have a system and it works great. And I don't even like, doesn't even bother me at all really anymore to take it. And so there's just a lot of things that you can switch out um, in that top 10 list of things to avoid, but then you got to be sure to add in the top 10 list of things that you should add in for nutrition, you know, like fermented foods and like I said, the cod liver oil and healthy fats and meat that isn't, you know, from some mystery source. We really, even though meat is expensive, you know, we just avoid buying mystery meat because it's just so disgusting to not know where it came from or how it was raised or, you know, what they were fed. And so that's, that's a biggie for us. Like, you know, if we want to watch the budget, then we might have a meatless meal more often, you know, but we definitely have the good meats added in. Um, want me to go through the list? Do you want me to tell you the rest or? You yeah, wanna... that'd be great. Okay. So I'll just go through the, um, the top 10 list of things to avoid would be soy products is number 10, low fat or fat free foods. It just actually blows me away that people still buy that stuff. And you know, it's so hard. I don't know if you're like this, but when I'm in the grocery store behind someone who's buying, you know, we don't buy milk in the store at all. Obviously we, we get raw milk, but you know, if someone in front of me is buying fat-free milk, I I have been known to say something to them about it. <laughs> and um, it just kind of depends if you think they might be open. But it's, you know, I just don't get why anyone would still buy that stuff. It's just sad that they just don't know. Um, number eight is to avoid too much sugar. Uh, number seven is food with artificial flavors and dyes. Um, six is uh, foods with preservatives and pesticides. Number five is GMO or frankenfoods. Four is mystery meat, like I mentioned. Three is foods with MSG. Two is high fructose corn syrup. And number one is the bad fats, vegetable oils, trans fats, that kind of thing. Uh, The top 10 lists of things to add in, I said were sourdough or properly prepared grains. Now your family doesn't eat grains at all, right, Katie? For the most part, no. We do eat uh, like white rice occasionally, and definitely if we do eat them, they're um, sprouted or fermented. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then number nine is the least processed, most local foods possible. That's why it was so fun yesterday to um, get to the farmer's market. Things are just starting to be ready here in Michigan, and I can enjoy local, awesome, organic foods again at the farmer's market. That's so fun. And number eight is homemade bone broth. 
Number seven is fermented foods. Number six is pesticides like I was just saying, pesticide-free produce grown in nutrient-rich soil. Because a lot of times you can find, you know, maybe some organic produce, but it might taste terrible or not really have any nutrients because the soil that it was grown in isn't healthy and alive. Uh, number five is cod liver oil. Four is tropical fats or coconut oil. And I also mentioned olive oil. They are a trusted source for olive oil because, as you know, Katie, that, that you can be duped on that. Um, number three is fat from pastured animals, and two is pastured, unpasteurized eggs and dairy, and number one is the pastured meats, like I had mentioned before. Awesome. Yeah, I love that that list is so, it really covers all of it, and it's so practical, and it's very, um, just something someone can take and start making those switches. And you've mentioned fermented cod liver oil a couple times, so can you explain why that is so beneficial and also share your trick for how you take it without gagging? Oh, sure. Well, cod liver oil is one thing that I think a lot of people don't get, you know, any of in their diet or not enough because probably not enough people eat seafood for those important omega-3 fats. And um, it also really decreases inflammation in your body. So that's one thing that I, especially when I was pregnant, I tried really hard. I mean, I couldn't in the early months because I was too sick, but uh, I couldn't really get much down in the early months, but as soon as I could, I tried to make sure to take that every day because that is such a healthy immune system builder and a brain builder for babies. So that was really important to me. <clears throat> um, but the way I take it is, um, it's pretty simple. Uh, I just, I it comes with like a little syringe. And so I just fill it up and shoot it to the back of my throat and swallow. And then I always have my coffee and my breakfast you know, handy. And so I just take a quick sip of my really hot coffee and have a bite to eat. And it's important to say to yourself, that's not so bad. <laughs> and it works. It's all like in your mind, you know. How do you take it, Katie? Yeah, something I'll either do that or if it's the gel version that's got the butter oil in it, I'll keep it in the fridge or even the freezer. And so it's kind of solid and just break off a chunk and swallow it if I'm... Uh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I feel like it is harder, especially when the kids are just starting to take it too, because it is a pretty strong taste. But I've noticed what the, my kids that I started when they were babies, and it was kind of one of their first foods, they don't have a problem with it at all, really. Um, it's my older ones who struggle more still with adjusting to the taste of it. Yeah, I remember giving it to our babies and the faces <laughs> that they would make. It was always so cute. <laughs> it is cute. Um, so what do you think are some of the biggest struggles that people face when switching to real food and what are some solutions for them? Well, I actually have um, a few chapters just all um, covering the obstacles that can kind of come in your way when you're um, trying to make the switch over to real food. And, um, you know, because it, it can be tough. I mean, it's not like it's a it's not like it's always a piece of cake for everybody. And, you know, I think I just hope that moms and dads don't give up because it's so worth it, you know, to help your kids um, learn these these things. Like yesterday, my daughter was um, <clears throat> watching the Food Network and one of the one of the chefs on there was using this, I think, canola oil or something. <clears throat> and she said, um, Mom, she's not using very good food on there. <laughs> and I loved it that she got it, you know. And then for future generations, hopefully, you know, our kids are going to raise their kids in healthier ways. And, you know, it's sad that, you know, families like yours and mine are going to be in the minority. Just like, you know, what you talk about in your food conversion story, um, how, 
you were really moved to change because you found out about how the life expectancy had, you know, just gone down so terribly, you know, for <clears throat> future generations. So anyway, so I think the obstacles are so worth it to get over, to get over them and stick with it. Um, so I gave people some, you know, tips on how to do it. There were, um, I think I have five or six real food obstacles in here. Um, but the first one is really motivation because if you don't know there's a problem in the first place, you can't really, you're not going to be motivated to actually fix it. So I kind of covered in the book the different ways that it can affect, you know, your life. And one of the things, you know, like when our son was, you know, having those behavior issues, it really was hard on our marriage and it was hard on the other kids in the family and, you know, your stress level, which affects your health. And, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of reasons besides, I mean, whatever your health issue is, most people, if they're eating the kind of diet that we used to eat, eat, if they're not sick yet, they're going to be, you know, it's just a matter of time. You can't just keep eating the way that we were without it eventually affecting you. So, um, I tried to just kind of cover some of that, some of that, um, you know, the different ways that it can benefit your family besides the obvious things, you know. And there's always a lot of excuses for not eating real food. And, you know, people are always like, oh, you only live once. And um, so I try to address some of that in here as well, um, just to kind of give people some motivation. But a part of the book that I really love is just where I shared some reader stories about how they have benefited from switching over to real food and what a difference it's made in their family and their health. And so I'm hoping that, you know, that gives everyone some fresh motivation. Another obstacle is people, I think this is maybe even worse is, um, you know, than, than the motivation. But when people start on this road, they feel so confused and overwhelmed. They don't even know like where to start or how to continue or, um, what to implement first. So I have a bunch of tips in here as far as, um, you know, what they can do, how they can get help. One thing is to connect with their local Weston Price chapter because they are great for support. Do you have a local chapter, Katie? Uh, not right where we live, but there are a couple that are really close by. Yeah, I love ours. And it's, they're a great resource, you know, if you wonder about where to find certain foods and that kind of thing. If you don't have a Weston Price chapter nearby, another way that you can get help like that is to check with your local health food store. Sometimes they can connect you with different um, sources. Also, um, the localharvest.org website can help you connect with other good resources too. Uh, another obstacle is people say they don't have time to cook real food. So I give a lot of tips in there about you know, making extra batches. And I don't know if you do that too, Katie, but I love whenever I'm making something, I figure what's it take for extra time to make extra. It really, it really doesn't cost you any more time. And so I'll make like three pans at once of like, say, you know, whatever I'm making, like a um, chicken and rice dish or whatever it is, and then just cover the other two and either give one to a friend who might be, you know, who maybe just had a baby and then stick one in the freezer. So that's just, you know, one of the tips that I share. The crock pot is another great tool to make sure you can use and it cuts down on your time. I did that yesterday, actually. I I knew I was going to have a crazy day. So when I got up, I threw some chicken in the crock pot with some um, bone broth that I had in the freezer and just let that cook all day. I threw in some herbs and stuff, too. And then for dinner, we just had chicken tacos and it was so fast and simple. So I actually on my website, I have a whole... 
um, list of what I call fast food meals that you can make, you know, at home. Because you definitely need to have that kind of list of these meals that, that everyone in your family likes and that you can pull off fast because you know you're going to have those days. And if you're, if you have a good list to refer to, then you're not going to be tempted to go through the drive through Yeah, that's a great tip. And I love the reader stories you have in your book because it really hammers home the point that real food affects all of us in so many different ways. So obviously there's usually things that the people are hoping that they're able to resolve when they switch to real food, but it was almost like there was always surprises too, that they didn't expect that another change would happen or that this would get better also. And so it's kind of fun to see how it really affects everybody so positively, but so differently. Um, What would a typical day look like for you guys as far as your like real food meals and your routine? Well, I have, um, I'm so blessed because our daughter who is um, 13, she loves to cook. So she's really kind of my um, magic bullet these days. She just helps me so much in the kitchen. And, um, but before I had her, I just had to learn to do things um, more efficiently. And so I would just think ahead more, you know, as far as what we were going to have for dinner that night and try to get ahead of the game. And like I said, make extra and, um, and then I just utilize those fast food meals so much. And, you know, the thing is, we're not big snackers around here. Um, I mean, once in a while, the kids will want a healthy snack. So I try to keep things like beef jerky around or cheese or, you know, different whole food snacks. But um, it's, you know, so our, our typical day is I'm not really in the kitchen a lot for um, breakfast and lunch so much because I'm usually working or, you know, we're doing homeschooling or that kind of thing. Or we have leftovers. We have leftovers a lot. Um, because I always make plenty and the meals are usually pretty darn good. So everyone is happy about the leftovers. And then, you know, then I'll just make a nice dinner almost every night. And I love to cook too. So that's not a problem for me. You know, my daughter, her and I will like turn on a cooking show while we're making dinner together, you know, so it's, it's kind of, it's something that we actually love to do. So it doesn't feel like a chore. I know a lot of people don't love it though. And for them, I, they just have to find coping techniques and just, um, you know, like I said, throw on a, put on a good podcast or a good show and, and make dinner while you do that. You know, I, I mean, do you like to cook, Katie? I do. I definitely occasionally get a little tired of it just because I feel like I cook so much with the yeah. ages my kids are. They're just pretty much always hungry and always growing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love that your daughter's so helpful now because I'm still in the age with mine where I'm letting them help, but sometimes it's not really that helpful yeah. and it's more of a mess. But I keep reminding myself that one day I'll be able to turn over a whole meal to them. And yes. that's when all these little baby steps are going to pay off. So that's great to hear that it actually does one it day does. get better. Yeah. But I think it's either in them or it's not though, because like our, our son who's um, 16, he is so not into cooking at all. And I was teasing him the other day. I'm like, what are you going to even make for yourself when, you know, when you're on your own someday? And he was just laughing. But I said, I just want you, like, it's kind of on my goal. I've tried this before and it didn't really go well. But for homeschooling in the fall, I think I'm going to really push it and have him make a meal for us, a whole entire meal, at least like once a month. Because I, I feel like I'm not doing my job as a parent if I don't encourage him to learn to cook you know he knows about the good ingredients and stuff because they hear me talk about that stuff all the time and he he appreciates it more too as you know as he realizes that good food can taste so wonderful but I just want him to know how to do it himself yeah I think that's really important too and 
like you said, even though some of my kids are definitely not going to be the cooks in the family, I feel like that's an important skill that, um, actually I didn't learn that much before I left home and I had to learn once I got married. And so it was a learning curve for me, um, where my husband, he's the oldest of six. And so he always had to help with the cooking. And, um, when he moved away from home, he was very adept at cooking for himself and all the cleaning he could sew on buttons. He had all those practical skills. And aren't you so thankful to have a husband like that? <laughs> I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thankful too. My husband's like that. Yeah, and definitely it makes me realize I want our kids to have that gift also. Right, because I feel like my mother-in-law, like, gave me a huge gift by raising her sons that way. And I feel like if I don't do the same for my future daughter-in-laws, I'll have dropped the ball. (laughs) Yeah, well, and also, who knows, like, it may be a while before they get married and they're going to need to do all that stuff on their own. Exactly. To survive. They can't, like, your your son in Florida can't exactly call you if he needs a button sewed on, so. Right. They got to know that kind of stuff. So you mentioned your fast food um, ideas that you have on your site, and I'm definitely going to link to those because they're awesome. But can you share a couple of your favorites just to give an example? Sure. Um, I'm going to pull it up so I can um, so I can think about it as I tell you the the quickest one that comes to mind though is a you know and you probably don't do this with your kids because it's bread, but like a basic grilled cheese sandwich. You know my kids love grilled cheese, and on a crazy night I'll I'll make them sometimes like an egg and cheese sandwich or whatever. And you you, you know I use. Um, either my homemade bread or I use bread from our local baker who makes like a fermented loaf and I use, you know, healthy cheese and lots of butter and, you know, throw maybe like a fruit or something with it. And that's dinner some nights. And, um, sometimes I'll make like, a um, we call it ketchup soup just cause I thought that would, when the kids were younger, I wanted to make sure they'd like it. So I, I called it that, <laughs> but I'll make like a tomato soup to go with it, which only takes maybe 10 minutes. So um, sometimes we'll just do snacks for dinner. We'll just have like um, cheese or crispy nuts or, um, you know, like beef jerky from the farm. Um, Oh, let's see. Let me look at some of my other ideas just to give you some. Oh, baked chicken is the fastest meal ever. It's, you know, like you clean the chicken, put some seasonings on it and throw it in the oven. I have a recipe on my site for a five minute baked chicken and it's nice because you can just throw it in there for a couple hours and then the family comes home and they can smell it and it smells so good. And if you want, you can throw some potatoes and carrots in there, which doesn't take long either. And it makes its own gravy in the bottom. And, you know, it's just a really, I think it's one of the most simple meals there is. And, um, we do, I don't know if you ever buy the hot dogs from the store that are Applegate. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. The grass fed unpastured ones or unprocessed. Yeah. Yeah, they're, you know, they're expensive, but I don't even care because it's such an easy, quick meal for the kids sometimes. And again, we have um, our local baker makes a fermented um, homemade buns. And so I'll just pull those two out of the freezer and that's a really quick meal sometimes. Uh, Sloppy Joe's, I think, is a super easy meal. Um, Our family loves them. So I use like three pounds of um, ground beef from the farm. And our ground beef has um, some heart in it, too. So I feel like they're getting extra awesome enzymes and it's just it's a super fast meal to pull together um even hamburgers that's that's fast just to throw some of those on the grill or fry them up um I don't know what are your favorite you you must have some good fast food meals too don't you I do and that was kind of a learning curve for me also because at first I was like you, I was watching cooking shows when I first got married to try to learn how to cook. Mm-hmm. And of course, everything on a cooking show almost always is like, you know, 40 ingredients and it takes 45 minutes to cook and mm-hmm. it's gourmet <laughs> and it's awesome. So at first I was kind of in my head of what I was supposed to be cooking. And even 
when we switched to real food and were more on a grain-free diet, I would still try to make like an Italian dish, but substitute out the noodles and use vegetables or something. So I was still like making tomato sauce from scratch and doing very time intensive things. So for me, it was learning how to pre-prepare a lot of like the tomato sauce and like anything I could make ahead and either freeze it or can it and then um, have things ready to go more quickly at night. Um, And right now it's awesome because our local farmer, you mentioned finding local farmers and we found one who they grow completely organically and they deliver on Saturday mornings. What? So it's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. And so I just go online and like pick out all this amazing stuff for the oh, week and they deliver You are lucky. Yeah. We're so spoiled by them. They're amazing. And so like right now, everything's in season. So we do a lot of like zucchini, stuffed zucchini boats and um, like stir fries because they're so simple. You just throw some chicken or ground beef in a pan with whatever vegetables are in season and let the kids help pick seasonings. And sometimes it's more interesting <laughs> than others. But yeah, I, I finally have found a lot of those core recipes myself. And I feel like that really is a lifesaver um, just to have that kind of that treasure chest of basic, easy recipes. Now, do you use the... Um... I think they're called like zoodles or something. The zucchini, you take zucchini and put it through like one of those spiralers or whatever. Yeah, that's fun because the kids, um, they they love the, any kind of vegetable noodles. And you can do sweet potatoes or carrots or zucchini or if you really? do potatoes. Are those as good as, because I was shocked at how good the zucchini noodles were like with butter and then like a pesto on it or whatever. Are the carrot and the sweet potato ones as good? Yeah, I feel like you just have to pair them with, like, zucchini goes with almost anything. Uh-huh. Like, sweet potato noodles are really good with, I'll make, like, a um, shrimp carbonara or, like, things that would naturally kind of blend with that flavor really well. Oh, right. But the kids love them. The only thing I would caution, um, I found out about a natural remedy because of that spiral slicer. I had the the blades of it in my drawer, and uh-huh. I reached in the back of the drawer to grab something else and, like, sliced my entire fingerprint almost completely off. Oh, my god! So I learned that um, raw honey is really good for healing wounds. Okay. <laughs> so oh, I don't let the you. kids um, use, like, actually slice the noodles just because those things are incredibly sharp. But um, they do love eating them. So if you, but you don't cook the sweet potato first? You don't cook it first. So I would um, make the noodles first when it's hard because they're easier to make the noodles. And then I would usually just either then you cook them. oven roast it or saute them in butter. Mm, I am so going to try that. Yeah. And there's, I mean, even on Amazon, there's like $10 ones that are handheld if you want a simple one that doesn't take up much room. Yeah, I actually have one. Um, one of my sponsors sent me one of those one time. So um, yeah, I'm going to try that. Another one, actually, I think soups are pretty quick to make, especially if you have like broth in the freezer all the time, like I do. And once in a while, if I don't have enough broth in the freezer, I'll I'll kind of add some organic broth to it just to make it, you know, more of it. But for the most part, I usually have tons of broth in the freezer. You probably do too. Um, but I think the soups are a really fast meal that you can pull together and the kids can help you. And like you said, throw some seasonings in that kind of thing. For sure. Yeah, I feel like in the winter we do just a ton of soups and crock pot mm-hmm. meals. And then in the summer it's more stir fries and salads for a lot yeah. of meals. Do your kids eat salads? Yeah, that was another thing. Like we had to work with them when they were little. Um, and especially with like raw greens, they had a little more trouble with it. Mm-hmm. But now they eat it pretty well, especially if we make like a homemade dressing. It's got oh, a lot yeah. of healthy fats and stuff. They're really good about salads. Yeah, my kids kind of go in streaks with salads and – um, but they love it when we make homemade ranch, which is so easy. It takes like five minutes, you know. Yeah. What do you guys use in yours? Is it like a yogurt base or is it 
Jerry I use, um, I love it when I can find the pastured sour cream. So I'll, I'll use that and then I'll make my own homemade mayo and then just tons of like herbs. Usually we have herbs on the deck that I'll just chop up and throw in there and, you know, plenty of sea salt and that kind of thing. But um, that usually is, and you can like do different things with it. Like if you want to dip, you just don't make it, you don't add as, you don't add any liquid. And if you want it more of a dressing, you can add a little bit of cream or milk and, you know, make it more pourable or whatever. But um, my kids love it when I make that. Yeah, I think almost every kid loves ranch. You can get them yep. to eat ketchup and ranch. Get them to eat yes, <laughs> exactly. So if someone's just starting out into real food and maybe they're still in that overwhelmed phase or hitting a lot of those obstacles, what would be maybe three little baby steps that you would tell them at first? Like, don't worry about everything, but just work on these little switches. Right. And that's that's what I usually try to do to help people not to get overwhelmed and to just, you know, start slow. Um, one thing I tell them, the biggest thing they need to do first is before even if they want to, instead of changing everything all over, is to just start learning. Because, again, I don't think until you've, you've had that, you know, the knowledge inside of you that it's going to be able to stick. You know, you have to kind of be passionate about why you're doing it. So once you start learning, I think some stuff just kind of falls into place. And then, um, you know, like I said, either you know, connect with your, with good friends. I had a lot of really good friends that helped me find sources and help me not be overwhelmed. And, and the other thing is I would say, don't beat yourself up if you kind of go through streaks, because I, I do the same thing still after all these years, like the, I'll go through a time where I'm motivated to make all our own bread. And then, you know, that will kind of, I kind of let up for a while if I get real busy and I'll just get a local source that I trust. So if, if things kind of come and go, don't beat yourself up and just keep doing the best that you can. And I guess the other, probably the biggest thing is to become a label reader and realize what you're putting in your family's bodies. And that not only will that help motivate you, but it'll, I think it'll just, you know, make you so sick that you'll want, to make those differences and it'll it'll kind of give you the encouragement that you have to you really have to keep going on this because the food the food companies aren't going to look out for your family they're all you know a lot of them these days are switching um a lot of their ingredients are getting rid of some some of the bad stuff and they're you know even some fast food places are you know like chipotle recently um, they're cleaning up some of the ways that they do some things. And a lot of their food is their meat is from local pastured farms. And so things are getting better, but you can't trust other people with your family's health. You have to take it in your own hands and, and read the labels and know what you're feeding them and know how to nourish them because it's just so important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also feel like it's the first part is really the toughest so I agree with you completely. If they can find a support network and take baby steps then and not get overwhelmed, I feel like that's a big key to just making a long-lasting change like that. Um, and I'm going to make sure I link to both your book and your website, but can you also just talk a little bit more about um, like what people will find when they buy your book and also all the resources you have on your website? Well, I'm happy to report that my website is finally becoming a little more easier to get around, thanks to Katie's husband, who has helped me a lot with that. And uh, it's been a long process, but now if you click on the the navigation bar, the blue bar across the middle of my blog, 
it's so much prettier than it used to be. It used to be kind of an embarrassing mess. So it's getting there. It's not done all the way yet, but my website is definitely much easier to get around than it used to be. And I tried to organize, um, you know, my book in, into, you know, in the beginning, I kind of explained, like I said, the whole first chapter is what to avoid and what to buy instead. It's kind of like a chart. So you can kind of look up whatever it is you're wondering about, whether it's like, you know, yogurt or seafood or, um, you know, whatever, produce, whatever it may be. And then after that, um, I go into some of the reasonings, um, you know, the reasons behind some of these um, things that I recommend you avoid and some of the things I recommend that you add in. And I talk about the whole myth of um, cholesterol. I touch on that because that's sort of a hot topic for me. And um, from there, I talk about, like I said, all the obstacles that people will face when they're switching over to real food and how to get over those obstacles. I also have some recipes in the book that show how simple it is to adapt because that's one thing is as people get more in this journey, they're going to realize it's not, it gets a lot easier. Like, I don't know if you feel that way too, Katie, but over time, now it's become almost natural to me. Like I'll look at a recipe and right away I know what I'm going to change. And I know what I can change without ruining it. You know, like there's some obvious things, you you know, you couldn't switch out in recipes, but for the most part, you can easily adapt, you know, for, for example, like in, you know, if you're making say cookies for a treat for the kids, always they have vegetable oils on the label or on the um, ingredient, the recipe list. But I just switch it out for melted butter and that works every time. And, you know, some people might use um, melted coconut oil and there's, there's the, you can get the um, unrefined, which will still taste like coconut, or you can get the refined, which is almost as good for you, but there's no coconut taste. So it won't change, you know, anything in your, in your recipe at all. So there's, there's all these ways you can easily adapt recipes and it just becomes second nature to you. So that's another thing, hopefully to give people hope that if you stick with it, it doesn't, it's not always going to be like a burden in your life. It's, you know, there's enough, especially these days, there's enough options out there. It's just a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Um, so Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I feel like you're such a wealth of knowledge and you're so fun to talk to. And I'm going to make sure I link to a lot of the recipes and resources you mentioned and also to your book, which I would really encourage people to go check out. Thank you so much, Katie. I always love talking with you. And thank you for listening to the Wellness Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or any of the past episodes, I would really appreciate it if you would take just a minute to go to iTunes and give it a review and a rating. And just um, this is how other people are able to find the podcast. And I would really appreciate your two minutes of time to do that. Also, if you would like to get my seven simple steps for healthier families guide, plus my quick start guide and a free week of meal plans, head on over to wellnessmama.com and you can enter your email and get it right away. And also another huge thank you to our generous sponsor, Vital Proteins Gelatin and Collagen Powder. They offer pastured, healthy, grass-fed gelatin and collagen. And basically, if you don't understand the forms, gelatin is the one that will gel in liquids. So that's great for making jello and marshmallows and anything you need to thicken. And collagen will easily mix into any kind of food or drink. So if you don't want something to thicken and you want to just be able to sneak gelatin 
and the benefits of gelatin and collagen into your food and drinks, then collagen peptides are the way to go. And gelatin is one of my favorite daily supplements in some form or another. I'm so amazed at all the benefits it has. It's known to support skin, hair, and nail growth and be good for joints and help joint recovery. It can help tighten loose skin, like for me, the kind you get after having five babies. Uh, it can improve digestion because it's great for the gut. Some people say it has helped their cellulite. It's a great source of dietary collagen. It's a decent source of protein, and it's composed of the amino acids glycine and proline, which many people don't get enough of in today's diet. So if you, um, if you want to check it out, you can go to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash gelatin, and you can get a 10% off discount uh, at that link. And if you've never used gelatin, there's some awesome ways you can use it. I use it in homemade marshmallows, in smoothies, in teas, to make jello. I even use it as a hair treatment to thicken my hair, to make homemade children's vitamins that are chewable um, in my shampoo to make my hair thicker, and then on my face as a mask to help reduce wrinkles. And there's just so many great uses for it. So if you've never checked it out, I would definitely encourage you to hop on over to wellnesshoma.com forward slash go forward slash gelatin and check it out. And as always, thank you so much for listening and have a healthy week.